Empire of the Suns. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Breaking news, Kevin, the Suns have traded Jay Crowder. Oh, we're done. We're done. That's all. That's the big, yeah. The moment has come. Uh, The latest we have ever recorded an episode, we recorded one less than 12 hours ago, but here we are at 1.54 a.m. Kevin slept through the big news like I'm sure a whole lot of you did it came down. It looks like Woj's tweet came in at 11.05 p.m. local time that the Suns were nearing a blockbuster trade to acquire Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant. If this is the way you're finding out the news, whoa, boy, I'm sure you've settled in a bit and are probably by now more caught up than we are because, as you can imagine, something like this really goes through the ringer uh, of not only emotions but just kind of digesting it, and we are still in the process of it. I've I've been more fortunate than Kevin. Kevin woke up 20 minutes ago and just said, screw it, I'll come on the pod and see, and see how we do. I've had about three hours to digest it, and I'm still in the process of doing that. I've written one and a half columns already, and I'm still in the process of doing that. So keep in mind here, we are going to keep it as bare bones as possible, and then I think tomorrow once we get some more sleep – once we have a lot more time to analyze this, we'll get more into like concrete opinions and thoughts. But the deal, uh, the Suns are trading Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four unprotected first round picks in 2023, 25, 27, and 29. And then a 2028 pick swap. Suns also get TJ Warren. Welcome back, Tony Buckets, Kevin. Uh, that is a low key big part of this trade that I think we'll more talk about tomorrow because instantly of course the suns their depth uh is in trouble but they bring in kevin durant i wrote a column that you can read on arizonasports.com that essentially highlighted how this is a gamble kevin it's there's no way to look at it but a huge risk and a huge gamble it's not like the chris paul trade it's nothing like that but in my opinion it is it is worth the gamble it is worth the risk and it is worth uh the steep price uh do you feel how do you feel about what they gave up let's start there too much too little about right where are you at i think it's about right um it is interesting considering we're uh 13 hours 14 hours off of matt ishbia being introduced as owner and saying he wants to be looking at a sustainable future (laughs) because by money standards um he answered that question of yours, by the way. Uh, money standards, they're going to pay a lot um, and might be hard to get off some of these deals. And picks-wise, it's pretty much everything. So, like, how are you going to hit the hard reset ever or even a minor reset? I don't know. But for right now, I, I mean, you can't argue that I think it makes you a completely different team. And like we've talked about, like since the finals run, um, I think they needed a shakeup in some way. (laughs) This is it. Um, I will say, do I not 
am I not woke anymore? Cause I literally didn't wake up through like everyone buzzing on the phone. Like I sleep next to my phone and that's what I'm bothered about right now. Sorry. <laughs> You're so rattled by, I, I was going to do the same thing. I was going to have my phone on full, like not even on vibrate on full volume. And just if I was hoping if like nine tweets went off in a row, like this kind of thing that I would wake up. Uh, but fortunately uh, I, I was awake. I, was frustrated by getting notifications for Yaka Pertle trades and odds shifting <laughs> and uh big three notifications. And then all of a sudden it's the biggest trade in sun's history. I mean, we're going to have to ask Vince and D- uh, Dave Burns and the historians of Arizona sports tra- uh, trades in history, but this might be the biggest trade in Valley history. I think simply this boils down to kevin the only way that this trade is a success is if the suns win a championship that's all that this is about uh it's very interesting how it sort of developed Woj went on uh sports analyst scott van pelton said the suns and nets talked a lot yesterday they talked more today uh the suns were did not want to include mikhail bridges which makes a whole lot of sense for reasons we will briefly touch on tonight but more so get into tomorrow on why getting rid of Mikel Bridges is a problem. And that's something we've talked about a lot in the past. Like uh, Josh Okogi might start Kevin because they need someone to defend John Morant and Jamal Murray and uh, CJ McCollum and guys like that. So we'll get to that more later. Of course, um, Woj went on to say with Scott Van Pelt that the Suns were looking at other trade options as well, but ultimately they got this done. Some of the other reporting just uh, crediting Matt Ishbia to really having his foot down uh, and really forcing this thing to get done and, and getting not forcing, sorry, but uh, playing a role in the kind of streamlining this and getting it done tonight and just getting getting this all taken care of. Uh, if you are someone and again, we like to play this game, Kevin, where we like to address both sides. If you are someone who does not like this trade, uh, I understand. I've had a couple of friends text me already and say that they're just really sad and just don't like the trade. They understand how good Kevin Durant is as a basketball player, but uh, I'm writing a column right now uh, that should be ready in the morning if I'm insane enough and still awake as awake as I feel right now on how Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson were the heart and soul of this team. I already wrote the piece about the twins that is that is about that. That is um, that is about how they are the heart and soul of the team, and the heart and soul of their team is gone. And, and that's going to affect their locker room for sure. Uh, not, not to like a negative detriment by any means, but it is going to be an adjustment to not have those two guys around specifically Mikel. But uh, I know a lot of fans are just like, we, we shouldn't have given up Mikel. Like we, we should, why would we give up Mikel? And, and I, and I understand uh, uh, fans feeling that way, but at the same time, this to me feels like Chris Paul and DeAndre Hopkins again, Kevin. And I think we're starting to learn that that's a thing now. Whenever you acquire, so whenever a local team acquires a national star, superstar who plays at like an all pro level, I think you need to watch him on a day to day basis to truly understand his greatness. I, that's kind of what I said when they traded for Chris Paul. Uh, that if you were opposed to this trade, you just don't know how good Chris Paul is. And even I myself, like three weeks into watching him every day, was like, oh my gosh, he's, he's even better yeah. than I thought. And it, one one graph in my story, Kevin, is highlighting how excellent of a defensive player Kevin Durant is, and I'm sure there are a fair few people listening. They're like, really, Kevin Durant's like an awesome defensive player? Yes, he is really, really good on defense, and he is... Now, is he going to be that guy who guards the other people? No, but what I'm saying is he is about as well-rounded of a bat... He's known as a scorer, rightfully so, 
but he is as well-rounded of a player that I've seen in my time just watching basketball as a fan, just how completely well-rounded his game is, how much his playmaking and defense have improved in the last five to six to seven years specifically, how he has adapted his game to every single new team that he is beyond. Yes, he is the guy who keeps moving to super teams and all that stuff, but the adaptability required to do that is rather insane and is something that I didn't really touch on in this piece. If you go to the site, you'll read the story and see all the statistical uh, anomalies that he that he is, essentially. Did, did you watch Mobile Suit Gundam as a kid, Kevin? You remember that at all? I do not. Okay, uh, I tried. I really tried my best. <laughs> um, think like Transformers, basically, but they have like yes. swords. It's tight. It's super tight. Uh, I called him like a human, a, a basketball Gundam, basically. Like just with what he is as a basketball player and his size, how he handles the ball. If you haven't seen much of Kevin Durant play for whatever reason, which is fair if you're just a Suns fan, um, he is a marvel. You've never seen anything like him before, and we're probably never going to see anything like him again. Yes, we're in the Victor Wembanyama Greek freak, like all these unicorns coming in, but we're we're never going to see a player like him. And now he plays for the Phoenix Suns. He's shooting the one statistical crazy number that I'll throw out there is he's shooting 56% from the field this year. He is a perimeter player. He primarily takes jump shots. He's shooting 56% right now, Kevin, his true shooting percentage is 67.3%. If that holds, it will rank number one amongst all of the seasons in league history where guys have averaged 28 points or more in a game. The number one spot on that list currently for a full season is Steph Curry's 2015, 16 unanimous MVP year. Uh, he is he is an amazing basketball player, and I will go as far as to say, and I wrote it in here, that he's mastered basketball. I can't say that about more than like three or four guys, really, or, or really, it, I don't even think I need to get to three or four in terms of like, it's, it's, it's him, LeBron, and I'm not sure who else I'm willing to include in that for my time. Keep in mind, I, I am 32 years old, and I started seriously, really seriously watching basketball 10, 15 years ago, so... Don't be mad if I didn't mention Michael Jordan or anything like that, but the, him and LeBron are the two that come to mind for me with their, it, do you feel fair in calling it a mastery? That's what I feel when I watch them. I mean, if you want to include Chris Paul, um, yeah. I'm trying to think, yeah, I mean, he's not flawed other than like his age, the injury history, maybe expecting that he falls off just because he's played so much basketball and, He's just, I don't know, to me, he carries in casual, even non-casual NBA fan circles, like people have opinions about him, but my opinion about him it always kind of goes back to like 2011 um, lockout and he was like the one guy who was like, you know what, screw this, I don't have a contract. I need to just play basketball. And he was just going, running up and down, um, like all these tournaments that happen, just street ball tournaments. And he would just show up. And I just remember like following that and being like, why doesn't other people do this? And it's just, he loves basketball. And so I think that's always been my opinion of him. Like just once to hoop. And when you consider he goes and plays now with, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I think like, yes, they lost their heart and soul, but that's kind of their identity still, right? Like it's these guys who have been through it, who've gone deep in the playoffs, who just love basketball. And I think that even when you have these different stars, I think those 
those stars specifically those three dudes can fit together because of that right so yeah that that's why i i when you look at superstar trades, like it's like we were joking like what two podcasts ago about Kyrie and Luca and be like, yeah, that, I don't know how that's going to work. Like in even next season, but this one, like I, I'm not worried about the personalities. And I think that's why it's a huge win in that regard. Like, uh, yeah, you're, you're taking a risk. Your ecosystem of the team has changed as far as roles, but as far as like making sense, it makes sense to me. If you're hesitant there, that's a good thing to bring up. Monty Williams has a working relationship with uh, Kevin Durant that dates back to OKC, uh, I believe, but they uh, work together with Team USA stuff a bit. Obviously, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant were just teammates on Team USA. That probably helped further uh, build their friendship. And Durant, I mean, you go back like seven years ago, he was on Bill Simmons' podcast and was asked, like, who's, like, the up-and-comer you're looking for? And he brought up Booker. Like, he's been he's had his eye on Booker a really long time. The Chris Paul, that goes without saying. They've won gold medals together as well. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the precedent, though, for him as a winner because I, I originally didn't have that in the piece at first, and then I, I kind of realized, like, I do need to include the fact that this is a guy who is a two-time NBA champion. Both times he did that, he was the finals MVP. That first one, Kevin... They beat the Cavaliers 4-1, and that's a series you look at and you say 4-1, ho-hum, whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, He just outplayed LeBron James when LeBron James was at the peak of his powers. It was one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen from a basketball player before because it was LeBron's world at that point. Yes, he wasn't winning every single championship, but when it came to that time in those kinds of series for Durant to rise to the occasion the way that he did in that moment, with all of the chatter around him, with everything surrounding him from a narrative standpoint and just from his role on that team where he was um, deferring to Steph and Clay a lot during that season. He really was. And then once it got to like the finals, it's me and LeBron. Like, I got this, guys. Like, what? I, it, this has been cool. It's been great. We're playing fun team <laughs> basketball. I'm going to just outplay the best player in the world and perhaps, in my opinion, at least the best player of all time. Like, I'm just going to do that in the biggest stage. And then they sweep, they sweep them uh, the next year. That's another finals MVP for Durant and uh, listeners, longtime listeners who will maybe remember me saying something to this effect when we were talking about Booker on team USA, in my opinion, the best basketball player I've ever seen, Kevin, uh, I just call that LeBron, but I think team USA, Kevin Durant has an appeal as well. Like he's in the, he's in the argument. I know we're talking about like NBA specifically, but I wrote it here that he happens to be the best player in the history of Team USA men's basketball and has three Olympic gold medals. I'm not sure what his statistics are exactly, but like the final form of his powers that he would reach in international basketball, for whatever reason, it clicked for him to another level. And I I, I just keep going on long-winded here because it, it's really, there's greatness with him in the same way we talked about the LeBron thing and saw how LeBron stepped up to that occasion. Like Kevin Durant has that same level of greatness to him. He, yeah. he really does. And that's... Again, he is 34, and I would argue that he's in his prime. Like, is LeBron in his prime right now at 38? No, but you look at what he's doing at 38. And it's like, look at what Kevin Durant is doing at 34. It's it's worth it, man. Um, do Do you want to get to what they give up? What they gave up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you want to just hold on that, the only reason would be if there are more trades. But I, I think we can dive into it now, and I mean. It's really what they didn't give up because I, I 
I've always thought like we knew that the Nets didn't want DeAndre in last summer when this was a thing. Um, like he's a big part to keep in this to me and people can argue about that. And I can admit that he's going to have to prove a lot of things again. Um, but like they have a lot of weapons on this team. And when you give up, we can talk about what they gave up and the holes there, but I, I just wanted to say that <laughs> we don't have to talk about the lack of ball handling anymore, I guess. And, and they have a big two and that's just gives them more diversity in what they can do offensively. And I think offensively is where you start on this and then we can get into the holes on defense. But um, yeah, I, I'm pretty, I think my only quibble on like the giving up is maybe the amount of picks and the swap. But again, it's, it's not surprising. You have to do that to give, to get Kevin Durant. Yeah. So I, so I believe Kevin right now, they, they've still got some swaps that they could give up. This isn't, I have not gotten this confirmed yet in terms of the assets that they have left. Obviously that was their maximum threshold of picks right now. Um, to be clear, in, in in situations like this, when teams give up their full allotment of picks, it gets lost that like they're still going to have their first round picks in twenty four, twenty six, twenty eight, like and so on. Now, are they going to be able to trade them? Like not yet, but uh, for for most of them, at least not yet. But with that in mind, they still have them, so it's not like they are completely uh, they are completely lost on draft picks. And now there's even more of a in these kinds of situations when teams do this, it puts even more pressure on them to nail those draft picks. You remember, Kevin, when we were doing these thought exercises when the Suns were eliminated and talking about like, oh, when you draft Kevon Looney at the end of the first round and it works out and he's still there a decade later. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty important <laughs> for yeah. the tax team. That's pretty that's pretty good thing to do. Like like Jordan Poole, like the same kind of thing. You're like, it's, 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 I know he's been a more mixed bag this year. Uh, it, I think that's a good place to look at is in terms of what trade assets do they still have because I, I, I don't think that they're done yet for sure in terms of seeking out trades, but it's just a matter of what they can pull off. They have Dario Sarge's expiring. Um, they have Landry Shamit. And then again, to go to those swaps again, I, I, I think that's where they are. Um, we, we should, we should not uh, graze past though. Again, how they're, how they're missing uh, Bridges and Johnson. Again, uh, my, my story is going to do a much better uh, job of this in the morning because uh, I'm really trying to cover the the emotional hold that, that Cam and Mikel have on the team and the fan base and just how much, how loved they were by the fans and how loved they were by the teammates and just people in the building um, and everything. And that is going to be a, a, a part of this. It's it, it reminds me of the Kelly Oubre thing a bit, but it's, it's so much more different in, in so many different ways. Like you think about just all the stuff Mikel has done, Cam's lemonade stand, like, all this different stuff comes to mind with those guys. And um, it, it's funny because the the glowing personalities that those two guys bring, Kevin, um, we kind of shift from that and not to say like now that this is business. It's now it's now championship or bust. But it, it is now championship or bust, and it, it is serious season. And not to say you couldn't win a championship with Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnsport because they were goofing around. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think the overall personality and DNA of this team is just now naturally going to change a bit. It's not going to be as yeah. lighthearted anymore. And that was something where you and I would talk about this team and everyone 
the way that I am going to remember, and, and this is this is sad for me to say because I really enjoyed covering these guys. The way that I will remember the the that era of the Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, like Jay Crowder, that that two two years is just how fun they were to be around and how much they seemed not seemed. I can say confidently like they all really enjoyed being around each other and being friends and how tight they were. And and it's just going to be a different vibe now. It's not. I'm not going to say it's better or worse. I think that's foolish to make any sort of reckless claims like that. But it's just going to be different, Kevin. It's going to be different without those guys. But we're we're just talking off the court here, to be clear. That's it so far. I mean, I'm thinking of the one time, like the one indiscretion on Mikel Bridges' career here was he and DA were doing the dance pregame, and Monty clearly didn't like it. And it kind of got pushed aside. But, like, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but – I, I think the biggest person that impacts is honestly DA. I, I think DA might have fewer like dudes, his age dudes who are, you know, fun, loving like him. And that's going to be super interesting because it's just going to be a pressure cooker. Like, right. Cause the expectations are going to be there, but I think Chris and Devin and now Katie are just going to be always trying to win. And, and that might be good for DA. Um, just to be around that and only guys like that. Um, or he might miss it and he might, you know, I, I don't know how he, he's going to react to all of his teammates being like that. And that's going to be really interesting to, again, your point about the DNA of this team changing and, and kind of, I guess, the personality of the team changing where like we might get reports like a few weeks in where there's like disagreements about something and stuff like that. And it, it's going to get overblown and the media is going to be hovering over this place now a lot more. So I think that's a really interesting point just to bring up because I think Katie is again, like, like Devin and like Chris were just super serious about ball. Like they love basketball, but it's going to be a different tone. I think when you, really walk into practice every day and all that stuff. This is a lot to absorb, Kevin. I'm just going to say it out loud. Uh, Woj Woj just dropped his story. It it includes a lot of updated details. Uh, He wrote that talks had progressed and stalled, and the Suns appeared to be pivoting toward a three-way deal that might have landed them Atlanta's John Collins, Kevin. Sometime Thursday morning. Uh, on the direction of his new owner, Matt Ishbia, general manager James Jones, texted Nets GM Sean Mark sometimes, uh, sometime after 11 p.m. Eastern, and it wouldn't be long until Ishbia and Nets owner Joe Sy had cobbled together the final elements of a historic trade. Uh, the, the story goes on to say Durant and his business manager Rich Kleiman told Sy and Marks that their preference was a deal to Phoenix, sources said. It, it, it doesn't really... The, the story in here doesn't necessarily... I haven't seen anything here that suggested like Durant was asking for a trade, but it does say Irving was traded to the Mavericks on Sunday, and that started the final days and hours of Durant and net as a net. So it goes without saying, I think, from what, the way I'm interpreting this. Now, this is the where the juicy details of trade talks come in, uh, Kevin, to further read from the story here, again, from Woj. Uh, the initial hope was to keep Bridges out of the trade, but that was a non-starter with the Nets. The Suns' offers weren't close to the Nets' asking price on Monday and Tuesday, and Marks kept working on possible trades to bolster the roster around Durant. The Nets pursued OG and Anobi, discussed possible deals for Collins and Karis LeVert, 
But Durant's mood was unsettled, and Brooklyn knew it had to push on Phoenix to make the kind of offer it couldn't refuse. The Suns had been talking with Detroit about the possibility of acquiring Collins in a three-way deal with Atlanta, but Ishbia wouldn't call it a night without making one more run at Durant. There, there's that there's that energy kev that that <laughs> ted talk energy paying off we were wasting his time today really we yeah, were right? turns out that guy was uh, up to important stuff once the Suns were willing to move dario sarge's contract out of the deal and spare themselves surrendering second round picks to account for his salary the teams were on the cusp of a deal oh that's a lot to take in. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't really uh, think we have to react to it much, but I think I think we'll just keep it short and some uh, surmise Kevin by saying that's how the NBA works. You're talking about trading for Kevin Durant, and then 12 hours later, it's John Collins. You know, that's how yeah. fast things move and how quick <laughs> things kind of go. I, and like all wanna... of Suns, the Suns Twitter people who are still awake right now are doing the like Lisa's just tweeted, "Oh my god, it was almost John Collins instead of Durant," which is like that's the league. That's how this works. It's crazy. I, I want to point out Woj had been dropping the Suns' uh, summer interest over the last couple days. And obviously he had been doing a lot of reporting on this leading into it. Um, very interesting to kind of learn a couple things. One, he was trying really hard not to link it, leak stuff and leak that there was anything involved right now. And, and Kevin Durant's trait, like I wrote a, we have pre-write, pre-written stories and i wrote a thing about kevin durant maybe just asking for a trade which we never heard about until just this happened um so it's kind of interesting because we talk about this team doesn't leak stuff right and they were trying really hard for stuff not to get out it seems and even though there are all these other teams involved in these deals and talks and that Woj is now writing about. Like, I think that's interesting, but the other piece out of this Ishbi is involved. Like is James Jones just being told what to do? Eh, it looks, I mean, he literally wrote on the direction of Ishbia. He was told to touch on Mark. So, <laughs> but like that, that's, what's weird about this. Right. Cause like, I, I'm sure James Jones could say like, yeah, this is just how I operate now. Like my owner's more aggressive, wants me to go at it. And I'll say, yeah, here's a more risky trade, but I think it's a a fair deal. He can say that. And, um, but it's all connected to your owner and how they want to operate too. Guessing here, Kevin, again, uh, to, to people listening, I'm not reporting anything. Don't have any, this is just simply inclinations. My guessing based on everything I know about the team and following them. I'm going to guess James Jones was never going to include Mikel ever. He was never going to do it. Here's the thing though, on that, like weren't there, I don't know if there were reports or people linking, like maybe Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like it's really surprising. Then I guess it's not surprising. Cause I think his contract length and like injury history and worries, maybe limit what the nets could have gotten. But Everyone was like, oh, you got to get a, a full-blown all-star back for Kevin Durant, right? Because of all the reasons you said he's a great player. Um, not that Mikel's not an awesome player, but he's not an all-star. Is he an all-star this year? No. Devin Booker's not even an all-star this year. So I, I think that's an interesting part of this is that didn't happen, and Brooklyn definitely went after picks, and they got two really good players too. Don't get me wrong, but... Um, I, I guess I haven't even said anything about Cam Johnson, but I think 
it kind of looked like he was the main trade ship after Mikel. I, 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 I stand by. I'm, I'm assuming that but he was he was done here, you know? This yeah. Kind of, this kind of a, I know it's Kevin Durant, but I stand by what I said last episode where if Cam Johnson or Chris Paul are traded, that means they weren't on the team next year. And I, I stand by that, and it's unfortunate. Um, uh, I'm very glad they're together, and I hope they stay together. I hope Brooklyn does the smart thing and pays Cam Johnson a lot of money. And then, hey... It's really hard finding a star and a second star, Kevin. That's the tough part. Uh, it It's not nearly as tough as finding Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, but it's still pretty tough to find Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. So yeah. Brooklyn can just kind of uh, assimilate. Maybe Cam Thomas is one of those stars, Kevin. Maybe it's Cam Thomas. Who knows? Hey, that's, that's already like you're listing off like some dudes who have really elite level NBA skills and – that's a good starting point for them. Like I know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you're never going to get what you really should just because of both those situations completely different. But um, I don't know, like they, they're going to be an interesting team and get the right coach. Like okay. Utah Jazz this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Light thought exercise here. Yeah. And we'll get, we'll get to more league wide. And again, reacting to that more from Brooklyn side, looking at Mikel and Deon, uh, Cam going forward and, and Jay, uh, here's where the Suns stand right now. Let's like, let's, I, thankfully the folks at NBC, like NBC Sports Edge is like not a site I use, but they update their depth charts like instantaneously. And it's an amazing tool. I always shout out on the pod every time we use them. Chris Paul's going to start a point guard, Kev. You got that guy. You got the best two guard on the planet, Devin Booker, that guy. You're starting small forward. I'm going to leave that blank. Your starting power forward is Kevin Durant. And your starting center is DeAndre Ayton. Your first guard off the bench is campaign. When he gets back, I will say, since we've podcast a couple of times, he's on his feet. He's starting to do on-court work, it looks like. Now, I'm assuming it's non-contact and he's still a ways away, but he's at least back on the court. Your... Let's let's just leave the wing, the wing uh, department empty. And then in the big rotation, you've got... Biombo, Landale, and Sarge still behind DeAndre Ayton. So I think the question here, Kevin, becomes who starts? And it's a really interesting question because you've got a couple of candidates, in my opinion. And then it also comes down to who comes off the bench. I think that one thing I immediately look at here is Mikel and Cam uh, defense, yes, everyone's mind is going to go to defense, but I actually think of shooting here, Kevin, because you're going to stagger these three stars a lot, and you are going to need shooting around them. Hey, 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 uh, Kevin, do you want me yeah. to make everyone mad? Yeah. Landry Sham is going to play a lot, I think. He's going <laughs> to be out there. I think we're going to see him. Um, should Damian Lee be playing more minutes than him? Yeah, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think we're going to see quite a bit of Landers Shamit for that reason. Um, man, where do you go with this other, this other spot? Like just like instantane, uh, we'll, we'll have a lot more time to think about it and hear uh, other opinions and stuff, but just your fresh thought. Is it Tory Craig? Do you go outside of the box and go Josh Akogi just for point of attack on guards? Do you go with Damian Lee for just shooting? Uh, he would be the weak leak defensively, and then I don't even know what you would do defensively with Damian Lee starting. You gonna throw Ish in there? I, uh, Dario? Do you go big with Dario? So one, we haven't mentioned Kevin Durant has an MCL sprain. He's recovering from. 
not expected back till past the all-star break, I believe. But when he's back, my brain at one thirty just slotted Josh Kogi in there. And I think that's because what you said, point of attack. And if you are going to have a guy who can't shoot the ball, um, I would hide him with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. And maybe it's a little gunked up because of Aiden, but I think if I'm guessing that would be a good move just because of doing a similar thing to what they had before, right? Like, he's taking number one option every time now. And you hope they have seen enough in practice and all that stuff to believe in him. But man, after him, the the defense really just kind of falls off a cliff when you look at like, who's a like super above average defensive player. Yeah. Um, there are, it's it's just a really polarizing roster. It is the best team in the West because it has Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton on it. But it just gets polarizing after that in a hurry because, again, I'm going to go back to like my belief that James Jones never wanted to give up Mikel Bridges. This is why. Because from a roster construction standpoint, it's just it's just a flawed roster. There's no way to avoid it being flawed in some ways. Because we literally have never seen what the Suns look like without Mikel Bridges. We haven't seen it because he play he played in every single game. And for that's that's another crazy thing, Kevin. They play tomorrow <laughs> against the Hawks, and that's gonna be the first time we see them without Mikel Bridges ever. And we're gonna see like who who is guarding Trey Young? Like we don't we don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and DeJounte yeah. Murray, like that de- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's going to be on Chris Paul and, De- and Chris Paul was already in a bad spot against that team specifically um, with Mikel Bridges. So yeah, I can, I break your brain. Yeah, please do. It's not, it's not broken at all right now. Not at if all, you no. get the equivalent of what you need, like what, if you look at this roster and you say, this is what I need, the two things that I need, um, like the two players that I need specifically, whether it's like a, it's like just two wings that can shoot and defend, whatever, like a, a, a worse, worse versions of Bridges and Johnson. If you get offered them for DeAndre, do you take it before Wait. tomorrow? Oh. If you get the Dorian Finney Smith Spencer Dinwiddie equivalent offer for DeAndre Ayton, do you take it? Yeah, they're not going to, though. Yeah, and I, I don't know if another team would. It's it's I'm just looking at how they change this roster in enough time and I don't know how else they do it. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of a reasonable you get two pretty good role players for DeAndre Ayton, but why would a team do that? I guess like Indiana's one where like if he could be traded there, it makes sense and you get some guard help maybe. Um they have some pieces. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to break my brain on Toronto right now. Um. Yeah, I, I think I it's, so. I, I Gary, think it, is Gary Trent like an upgrade if Gary Trent's the main return piece for DeAndre Aiden? I I don't know. I I think it's uh they traded for Jakob Pertl uh earlier tonight while you were sleeping by the way so they're not right anymore. Yeah, yeah. This is where that's fine. Well, this is going to be the same for me when I wake up at like 1130 or whatever tomorrow and I sleep through like (laughs) most of the trades after I stay up till however late it's going to be here.
I was trying um, to be responsible. It backfired. Anyway, continue. I'm going to be irresponsible because I'm 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 a renegade. I'm cool. <laughs> so this is my early thought. Paul Booker, Craig, Durant, Ayton, Payne, and Chamet, Warren. You got to have size on the wing, TJ. I don't know if TJ is a money guy. We're going to learn quickly, uh, and then whoever plays center, and and I think that's going to be it. Um, I would like to think that Lee would play over TJ Warren, that being Damian Lee, but you're, you're looking at if, if Shaman and Payne are both playing and Lee is playing, that's a pretty small trio right there. And you need some size. Um, like, like Sam Cooper jokingly tweeted TJ Warren, you are a primary defender now. And I t- replied yeah. to him and said, Tory Craig, you are guarding John Morant now. It's like, just like <laughs> they got to figure something out. The Akogi stuff against the really good teams lately has scared me with his, uh, how much they play off of him. I honestly think um, the TJ, the other wing spot, the, so there's the two guards off the bench, Payne and Shamit, the big, I think the other wing might be ish right now, honestly, with how he's played with where Monty's been playing him. He was the guy closing games lately. Uh, I think it might be ish for the time being if they if they uh, see, feel out TJ. Um, maybe it's TJ and Dario in like in a package to get a trade. I I don't know. I don't even know how to assess like what they could trade for anymore. But they they're in the same spot that a lot of other teams have been in that have made trades, which is uh, they got to get some more stuff done if possible. Yeah, but uh, they they got the big one done. They got Kevin Durant done. Uh, I'm trying to figure out in my brain, but I don't think it's worth it at this hour. Nah, um, let's do it tomorrow, buddy. We're going to podcast again here in, we're going to do three podcasts in 24, 24 hours. hours. <laughs> I think we're going to do it. What did we say? 219 for the other one, I think is what I said. 212, <laughs> that, 214. We're going to do it. Um, all right, everyone, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to this one. If we appreciate it, because the odds are you saw all three of these and you're probably going to listen to the trade deadline one and that's it. Uh, the trade deadline review, and that's it. But if you're listening, we really do appreciate it. Go to ArizonaSports.com. Like I said, I'll have the column there. Uh, and I'm probably going to be nuts and just finish the uh, Twins one tonight because I got the ideas in my head, and they are gonna they're, they might not be there when I wake up, and I, that scares me sometimes. Can I ask you one question before we go? Yeah. So your very last line in the story that you wrote – I'll just read going into that. It's not all going to be worth it unless the Suns hang their first championship banner. It is the biggest trade of the organization has ever executed. So by default, it's their biggest gamble too. You feel lucky. And immediately my tired brain went to the Gila River casinos guy (laughs) asking me that. Was that the intention there? No, it was just to tie back the gambling thing. You feel lucky. I should have done punk, but you know, whatever. The song that, the song with the horns and what is it? Is it Pitbull just went in my head. At, so just to know where I'm at reading. Okay. Your go back to sleep, Kevin. You're a father okay. for goodness sake. All right, everyone. We'll be back in 12 hours. See ya.